Hey everyone, thank you for joining Brian Barcelona's podcast. To know us, we're a missions movement in Dallas, Texas, going after youth being saved, discipled, and sent. Brian Barcelona is the founder of One Boy Student Missions and the Jesus Clubs. To reach youth with us globally, download our app, The Jesus Clubs. We hope you are encouraged by this podcast. What's up, bro? What's up, dude? Let me let me fix my camera real quick. Good to see you all that are coming on. Love to know where you're where you're coming in from. You guys can just throw your flag up or your city that you're from. How you been, man? Good, bro. How you doing? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, the camera zooms in a bit, so let me just fix this real quick. That might be better. Is that better right there? Yeah, it's good. Okay. What's up, dude? How's it going? Bro, it's been it's been going, man. Good. How's the quarantine life treating you? Um, it was hard at first. Uh, really hard just to adjust to the stopping of my life and then uh, putting two little kids. I mean, you you would know, but you have well, you have three now in your house, right? Yeah, three little girls. I got a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old now. Bro, I can't even complain, man. We got two little ones now, and my third is coming Monday. <clears throat> no so, way, dude. Yeah, bro, Monday. So, baby boy. Yes, dude, I need that. We're waiting. I think we find out next week uh, if ours is a boy or girl, so... You're on number like, four, man. That's wild. I got wild. three girls, dude. So I'm like, Lord, help me out. I've been serving you. I've been plowing. I've been... So I don't know, man. I need a boy, though. We'll see. This We're thinking it's our last one, but we'll probably have five more. So Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. It's crazy, bro. I met you with no kids. Dude, I was just thinking that as we were getting ready to get on, I was thinking about one voice. And for some of you listening that are in the chat, I'm reading the chat, by the way, as I talk. Okay, I'm a live streamer, so I got this. Um, a lot of you from One Voice don't realize I've been a part of One Voice since the very beginning. Yeah. So I was at some of the first prayer meetings. I know we did the one in uh, Reading. We did the one by the yes. castle in Sacramento. We did the one outdoors where we all got sunburned. Yes. <laughs> like yes. And I think that was in Galt, wasn't it? No, that was in Elk Grove. Elk Grove. Yes, yes. And so some of you might see me say, who is this guy? You know, I've never heard of this guy, but I've been, I'm, a, I'm one of the, I'm one of the founders of Yo, geez, so bro. I was there in the early days, man, where we were just going hard after God, getting radically saved and seeing God move. And I think, bro, I was just thinking um, a lot of the stuff we sowed back then, I think we're now reaping the harvest. We were praying. And I, I told someone last week, I said, the, the thing that we're living in right now, the move of God, the revival that I'm living in, that you're living in, is the interest of prayers we prayed 10 years ago. I mean, we literally sowed 10 years ago, and we're living in what we prayed for 10 years ago. We said, God, one day so there's going to be a revival. There's going to be a move of God. God's going to move. We're going to have you know thousands of people watching online, people all over the world. And I think now it looked different to us back then, but yes. now that we're reaching people through social media, people from all over the world are watching our videos. And I'm talking about me and you, all the live streaming, all the videos, the YouTube content, the, the conferences. I'm like, man, this is what we prayed for. We thought it probably would look different. Definitely. But, no, bro, this is what we prayed for. And so I'm excited, man. I'm honored to be with you on this. And I'm just stoked to talk about revival. Same, man. I'm super, super honored, bro. <clears throat> I was just thinking, um, two, I have two, two memories. One was, um, I think, or actually, yeah, one was uh, one of the very, uh, maybe it was one of the first, not first conference, but maybe in that season that you preached that we did together with um, that one girl, she was Russian. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I remember that. And we From spoke Denver, together, so. and then I remember going to your house. So there's mm -hmm. maybe people that won't even, they were not able to go there, but I remember going to your house, seeing yes. that. There's an old video, I have a little yes. bit longer hair. Yes. And I just remember, bro, those days of, of seeing your guys' yard packed with cars, 
Um, you know, there was just such simplicity, a sound system, some acoustic worship, man. And there was like, there was a huge move of God in that city, bro. Out of all places, man, Tika. I know it's like Nazareth, bro. What good can come? Yes, man. I, and I, I honestly think the the biggest joy I have is seeing you a decade later. Um, and you, your fire hasn't diminished. Come on, bro. Um, you know, you, you haven't left the faith. I was just talking to someone today that I feel like we're in a season where callings and salvation will be shaken the most. Come on. Um, you know what I mean? People that were just once called saying, I don't know if I'm called anymore. People that were saying, I once followed Jesus. I don't know if I want to follow him no more. And it's, it's crazy, man. And it, 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 it's wild that it didn't take persecution. It just took a virus, you know? Yeah, you know, that's what I was, I was thinking of that the other day. I was thinking, man, the church, we were prepared for persecution, but we weren't prepared for a pandemic. So I think wow. church, everyone's trying to respond different ways right now. And I'm like, man, our response, the Bible already tells us how our response is. And it's in the place of prayer. It's not, you know, getting into conspiracy theories. It's not getting into the government, watching us through the 5G towers. And watching us through here, it's about getting in the place of prayer. The Bible warns us, Peter warns us, Paul warned us, Jesus warned us. He said, watch and pray, be sober. There was a drunkenness. I'll never forget this, bro. You, I think it was right before you moved to LA or something was happening. Someone was shifting, something was moving. And you're like, hey, bro, you sent me this text. This is years ago. I don't know, maybe 2013 or 14. And you said, hey, bro, I love you, man. I'm moving to LA. I'm God shifting me. This is what we're doing. And you just said, like, man, don't drink the wine of the church. I don't know if you remember that. You texted me that. No. This is, wow. This is probably seven or eight years ago. And you're like, bro, please don't drink the wine of the church. And I sat there in tears as I read your text. But I felt even when I feel now, I just felt the goosebumps go down my back. And what it spoke to me was, and we talked about, you know, this different Jesus being preached. And you basically were like, bro, don't fall away. Don't get caught up in the the schemes of the church and the religiosity and you know what's happening in the american church the compromise the lukewarmness the complacency the fact that jesus in revelation 3 tells us he's outside the door of the church knocking not trying to get back in our hearts but really trying to get back in the church and so i believe right now we're in the hour where jesus is knocking and pleading with the body of christ saying let me back in the church has wow. gotten drunk on success we've gotten drunk on popularity we've gotten drunk on followers you know we've gotten drunk on looking good talking good acting good smooth preaching I always talk about jab preaching and, you know, a lot of these main guys, I won't, obviously I'm not going to call any names and not here to bash anybody, but some of the main speakers, bro, for our generation, you know, are gotten, gotten caught up in adultery, gotten caught up in drinking and partying and, you know, living that compromised lifestyle. And if you hear them preach, their lifestyle bleeds out in their preaching. So you look at this soft gospel, this soft preaching, and I always call it jab preaching. There's really no knockout blow in the preaching of today. It's really just like wow. God loves you and God cares. And it's kind of just jabbing, jabbing. I'm going, man, where's that knockout blow to the kingdom of darkness saying we got to get our act together. We got to repent. Jesus preached the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right in front of us. It's approaching. Now's the time to turn from our compromise. Uh, this is what I've been praying in my life. I'm not, I'm not preaching to you guys. This is something the Lord has preached to me. Like you need to get rid of every toxic relationship, every person that's wasted your time. You know, I look at Paul. Paul didn't have time for foolishness. Paul didn't have time for toxic relationships. And so I really want to talk to somebody in the chat. I believe right now there's a consecration. There's a new level of holiness in the midst of this pandemic. God is cleansing the bride. God is cleansing his people. I really believe God is coming back. Jesus is coming back for a real bride that is spotless, that is cleansed, that is washed by the word. And you know, guys, we're, it's our calling to cleanse ourselves. It's our calling to wash ourselves. We've been given the word. We've been given prayer. We've been given, the Bible says, all things pertain to life and godliness. I think a lot of us in the chat 
We're waiting around for a prophetic word, waiting around for someone to come wash us, someone to come, you know, lay hands on us. But the Lord is like, I'm looking for a bride that's going to clean herself and purify herself. I've given you the tools. I've given you access. I've given you all that you need right so now. Good. You don't need to wait around any longer. And so I'm praying that, bro, in my own life, I've been, I'm having right now the best time ever. I'm spending more time <laughs> with my wife, more time with my kids. Our, our ministry, and this is not like a weird flex, but our ministry is reaching more people than it's ever reached in 10 years of traveling. I'm on my 10th year of full-time traveling, and we're reaching more people right now on social media than we've ever reached people in the last 10 wow. years. You know, people getting delivered through social media, getting saved, getting healed, testimonies of people saying, you know, I would never set foot in a church, but through your broadcast and through your streams, um, God told me about two weeks ago, he said, Isaiah, you've been praying. You know, I told you to go into all the world and make disciples, but I didn't tell you how to go. And so what God was showing me was in 2020, the way he's telling the church to go is through the internet. Now we know we can't travel. We can't gather. I want to gather. I want to travel. I want to get back to how we were, but this is a way we're going in and making disciples. I think we think so of the great commission and we think of, you know, riding horses and donkeys and preaching in the dirt, which I would love to do that. You know, if I lived in the Bible, that'd be awesome. Yeah. But we have to realize we're in 2020 and the church is moving. God is innovating. God is renovating. God is doing a new thing right now. And the body of Christ, and that was something the Lord spoke to me last year. He said, Isaiah, you're traveling and preaching that I'm doing a new thing, but you're still doing the old thing. You haven't changed wow. anything in your ministry in 10 years. So I said, Lord, I'm tired of preaching the new thing, but doing the old thing. And so wow. we started praying and asking God, we need new ways to reach people. Our generation's dying. They don't want to show up to our churches. And so God is really releasing something new. There's a spirit of innovation on the body of Christ. And I'm so not good. this you who prophet guy, if you're watching. But I really believe that God is releasing an innovative spirit over the church. You know, I know David Schluter's in the chat, Fresh Start Church in Arizona. They're doing drive-in church. There's new ways that we've never seen before of doing church, of praying for the sick, of seeing revival. And if it wasn't for this virus, we, I believe, would still be doing what we were doing before. And it's I true. Believe, yes, we're going to go back to gathering. Yes, we're going to go back to buildings. I'm not against that. I don't think this is going to destroy the megachurch. I think it's going to expand the megachurch. So I'm not against the church. But what I do think is we can't go back to sleep. Once we go back to normal as the body of Christ in America, we have to make a decision right now that we're going to stay awake, that God has blown a trumpet. There's an alarm that has gone off. We're in a jolt moment. And so me, my prayer, bro, going back after all this is, Lord, let me not go back to where I was before. Let me not go so back good. to my apathy, my complacency, my normalcy, my casual traveling and going up there. It's easy to preach, you know, just more spending more time in the green rooms than the upper room. I'm like, Lord, I want to wow. go back with a new boldness, a new passion. And so I know I'm rambling and I'm going off. And, no, it's so good. But uh, I'm, and bro, up, bro. I'm excited. And I don't think people realize you called this out in December. And yeah. it was interesting because I was talking to my wife and my wife is my wife's big into the prophetic, but she's big into authentic prophetic. Yes. Mm. And so my wife kept telling me, Brian, why was no prophet speaking of what was to come? Why? I mean, we've kind of just been going back and forth. We know that we're going to enter a decade of stadiums. We know come that on. God's going to do. But, but, but I mean, who was to say that it was in a virtual stadium? Wow. I know the, the send, you know, we've been, I've been a part of the sends and um, they're going to be rebroadcasting. I think this upcoming week, the send and we're the last one they reached you know, two, three million, they're expecting 25 million. Um, so they're expanding it. But you called this out in December. Could you just share briefly on what you felt the Lord spoke to you in December coming into 2020? Because I have heard literally no one 
except you share what God spoke to you. Well, so number one, I'll say this. I'm not, I'm not a huge prophetic guy as far as like giving corporate prophetic words. Obviously, when we preach, we prophesy. I preach prophetically when it comes to repentance and what is God saying? What is God doing right now in the room? You know, I really believe the best compliment is not, that was a great message, brother. But it's like, man, I felt like God spoke to me today. So that's been my number one goal. For us, I think it was in August or September, I started being, I was up to almost two in the morning every night. God had kept me up and God basically came to me and said, Isaiah, you've been preaching for 10 years. Uh, by the way, the revival's still going here in California. And the Lord was saying, Isaiah, people are driving in, flying in every week for 10 years now to come here, you preach. And six months before that, so early 2019, I felt like the Lord came to us and said, this cannot be the Isaiah Saldivar show. You cannot have people coming in to hear you preach. Literally, bro, we'd have worship. And people wouldn't come. They would literally come in an hour into service to hear me preach. I would preach, which is, I'm not, this is not arrogance. I'm just telling you what was happening. I would yeah. preach and they would leave. Right when I do the altar call, they would leave. They were literally only coming to hear a word. And so God shut everything down and said, I only want you to have, and I know there's some of my team here in the chat. Marcel is one of them, but she could attest to this. The Lord said, I want you to only have prayer and worship for a month. And we've never done this in 10 years. I preached every week, wow. a new message for the last 10 years. Wow. I preached every single week in our revival. So we started crying out to God. People were leaving. People were like, we want preaching. Where's the word? And those were the type of people God was cutting off wow. and God was weeding out. And so we got out of that. We started preaching again. God was moving. We had a whole new crowd of people that were hungry for revival, awakening. And then the Lord came to me. And this is, listen, I'm a senior pastor of a church. We have a revival church. So I could say this. The Lord spoke to me and said, Isaiah, in 2020, now I know y'all are going to think I'm crazy in the chat. Every pastor is going to cringe right now and wiggle around in his chair. But the Lord told me, I don't want you having any meetings at the church. Keep the building, keep the church, uh, keep the prayer meetings going at the church. Do not stop the prayer meetings. Keep those going. Those are the most important thing about your ministry and revival. But the Lord said, Isaiah, I want you to shut everything down for 2020. And there's two things I'm going to do. And this was in August of 2019. So this And what no were people virus. telling you when you were saying this? They think you were crazy? Oh, or dude, I, So I, I told my, my uncle co-pastor with me. He's my spiritual father, Nino. You've met him. So yeah. I literally was like, I don't know how I'm going to tell him this. He's going to think I'm nuts. He's going to say, no, we're not doing that. You know, wow. you're nuts. So dude, for three months, about two months, I wrestled. And I was up at night praying, saying, Lord, you're going to have to speak to him like you spoke to me. Because this is a crazy word. And I'm uncomfortable with this. I mean... People are, everyone's going to leave. Our whole team, we have about 70 on our team. They're all going to leave thinking I'm nuts. Nino, wow. I call Nino, bro, for like three hours we're talking. He's like, Isaiah, I've been up every night the exact same time the Lord showed me the same thing. We need to do, we need to do internet revival and living room revival. Those are the two words God spoke to us. Now, our team's in the chat. My wife's in the chat. They could tell you in September, August, we were telling our team, no one knew this. We were meeting with our team saying, we're not going to gather. We're going to transition. We're going to shift. We're going to do internet. We're going to wow. reach social media. We're going to do living room revival. We're going to go back to our roots in the living room. We're going to do a living room broadcast. We're going to call America to meet in their homes. We're going to call fathers to pray with their kids. We're going to call fathers to restore their marriages. We're going to call mothers to pray with their daughters. Forget about teaching them how to cook. Teach them how to prepare the word of the Lord. And so we started preaching all this stuff and talking about it. And I'll be honest, people were thinking I was crazy. Pastors were writing me, calling me. What do you mean you're not going to meet? And I said, look, we're still going to meet for prayer. If you want to meet me, if you follow from social media, come to our prayer meetings. I'll meet you. I'll pray with you. We'll do deliverances on you, whatever you want. But we're going to do this. We have to be obedient to the word of God. From my beginning, I've said, Lord, I'm only accountable to one person on judgment day. There will be no bishop on judgment day keeping me accountable. There will be no denomination. I have to respond to your word and what you're speaking wow. to me. So 2020, everyone said, what's the word? I did a prophetic conference in Virginia Beach. And I gave two words. I said, number one, it's going to be the year of internet revival. And I posted that in December. 
I posted a meme of internet revival, a little meme I made. Wow. Uh, so I wrote that. A bunch of pastors were writing me, kind of being so crazy. crazy. Now they've admitted they thought I was a little bit nuts, but it's okay. They've always <laughs> thought that 10 years. I love it. So, and then I said, too, my second word for this prophetic conference was, it's going to be the year of living room revival. And I, I basically said, God's going to invade every living room in America. The days of, you know, just waiting for them to come to our churches are over. We have to go to them through social media, through 4 billion users, 3 to 4 billion unique users on Facebook every single month. The largest harvest is on the internet. I'm not an internet, bro. I have not posted. I posted 30 times in 2019, 30 <laughs> times in the entire year. So I've been out of my comfort zone. I built, I built. That so what is I did crazy. Was, and I know I'm, I'm skipping some stuff, but what I did was I started buying cameras. We spent about $30,000 on cameras, lighting, everything for our, our living room setup. And then I bought, I made an office set up, you know, bought three cameras, lights, everything, sound panels. I bought all the stuff I could buy. This was in November of 2019, okay? Everything was cheap, $120 for HD. All, all the stuff was cheap. Well, then all of a sudden January comes. We go to launch the living room movement, which is what we were starting from the Awakening 209. We were transitioning to this new thing God was showing us for the year. And we had a big remodel in the living room, took a long time. February comes. I started live streaming in January. So January, February. And now all of a sudden they're saying, well, we might not be able to meet. March comes around. We're about to launch the living room. The week we were going to launch, all this stay-at-home order broke out. Well, mind you, I had already been live streaming for three months. And wow. guys, this is, I'm only telling this to one voice live. I'm not sharing this with anybody. So this is exclusive content right here. Bro, my income, my reach has all doubled since I started live streaming. My, mind wow. you, 80% of my income comes from traveling and merch okay i have no traveling three months canceled of traveling no traveling and no merch for three months yet my income you tell me bro how could god in a in a famine my income is doubled and i want to prophesy over somebody in the chat only god's people are going to prosper during famine i speak right now some of you are seeing growth like never before and i really believe bro and this is what i want to tell this live stream this is not the time to try to survive until the churches open back up this, if you're a pastor listening, this is not the time to try to just get by and survive. This is the time to thrive. This is the time for the church to level up. God is expanding the body of Christ. God is growing the body of Christ. God is reaching the body of Christ. We're yeah. reaching more. More people are hearing. Think about this, bro. More people are hearing the gospel right now than any time in human history. And that's a fact. That's not debatable. That's not questionable. More people. I have churches that have 50 people saying, I say we're getting 400 views on our videos. Okay. That seems like some of you might say, well, that's not a lot of views, 400, you know, I get a million. Think about this. They had a church of 40 people and now they're getting 400 views on their little church, right? And so Crazy. think about this, bro. More, last month, we reached 3.5 million people on Facebook alone in 28 days. And so I traveled for 10 years and I've never reached even a quarter of that. And that's not a weird flex or me bragging. That's trying to share what God is doing, guys. The word is coming to pass. Now, I didn't know it was going to be this virus. And I actually preached this. And some people really thought I was crazy. I have, I have a video that I should find it somewhere. What I, I prophesied, I was at a church preaching and I said, churches are about to get emptied out. I said, I don't know how it's going to happen, but we're going to see an exile and we're going to see empty churches all over America. Well, I had no clue about a virus. I didn't think it was going to be because of a virus. And the Bible says we prophesy in part. So some of you watching might say, well, I got a different part of the word. I only have a small puzzle piece to the word of what God was speaking. But my piece was internet and living room. Well, then three months go by. And dude, okay, so then the stay-at-home order comes out. What do they say? Everybody has to stay at home. Everybody has to live stream. So all the gear that I bought, I'm helping. I'm, I have five pastors calling me today, tonight, after my live stream. I'm helping them with their live stream. But think about this. Every camera I bought, every light I bought, every microphone I bought is sold out on Amazon. There's zero chance to buy it. 
I called Best Buy. They said, there's nothing. We can't even get orders. No place has these cameras. So if I wasn't prepared, I don't know what I was going to do wow. with my income, with my ministry. And so, dude, I'm telling you right now is the hour. This is the time God is speaking. God is preparing his people. We have to be open to what is God saying to the church. And we have to be ready to adapt. The church will so overcome good. this. We're bigger than a virus. We're bigger than a shutdown. Um, things will go back to normal. But I pray that they don't go back to normal in the spiritual aspect. I pray some of these yeah. churches that you know are going back to meeting. I, I, bro, I want to say this. I believe the only way we're going to see revival in the churches of America is if when we get back, and I want every pastor that's going to watch this later on YouTube, on Instagram, I want you to pay attention right here. The only way we're going to see revival is if when we, when we get back to gathering, and I'm a senior pastor, if every senior pastor in America gets up the first Sunday morning back and gets on their knees and cries out and begins to repent on his behalf, saying, Lord, we have turned from you as a church. Lord, we need yeah. you back in the church. I'm telling you, what would happen, bro, if pastors got on their face before their congregations the first Sunday back and begin to cry out before God, not waited for the congregation, not waited for the people, but they begin to cry out and asking God to move, asking for revival, asking for national repentance, and said, God, before you do it in my church, do it in me. This can't be just in the secret place. This can't just be in your bedroom or in your car. Some of you pass me, well, I cry at home and I get on my knees at home. No, no, no. Your church needs to see you cry. They need to see you on their knees. They need to see you on their face. I, I travel and I ask so many pastors, I ask them this in the green room. Listen, when was the last time you cried out before your congregation? When was the last time you got on your knees behind the pulpit? And 95% of them, and listen, I love them. I love the body of Christ. I love the church. I'm 100% for the church, for the gathering. I'm not against it. But 95% of them will have tears in their eyes and tell me, I can't remember the last time I got on my knees before wow. my congregation. I can't remember the last time I got in the secret place and prayer was relational, not transactional. I can't remember the last time I spent more time in the upper room than wow. the green room. I can't remember the last time my congregation saw me on my knees. I started something about six years ago, bro, where I said, I refuse to preach and do an altar call if I'm not going to respond to it myself. So literally, I preach, and then I respond to my own altar call every single time for the last six years. There's not been one altar call I've made where I so haven't good. responded myself. So the people see me on my knees. My church sees me on my knees. You can ask them. They're in the chat. Nobody outshouts me. Nobody outpraises me. I'm, I'm leading this. If we're leaders, guys. If you're a leader, you have to be the first one on your knees. You have to be the first one crying out. If you bring in a guest speaker, bro, I bring you in to preach. I'm standing the whole time. I'm shouting the whole time. I'm the most excited guy in the room because I'm leading these people. Yeah. And so I believe there's a leadership anointing coming. I believe if you're in the chat and you're a leader, now's the time. Lead by exampleship, not dictatorship. Don't tell people to do things that you're not willing to do yourself. I'm not going to ask you to be in an eight-hour prayer meeting if I'm not in a 10-hour prayer meeting. I'm not going to ask you to read the entire New Testament in one sitting if I haven't done it three times already. We have to lead as the body of Christ and say, I'm leading this thing. I'm hungry, bro. I'm telling you, I'm not being arrogant, prideful. I am more hungry, bro, right now than I was January 12th of 2011, the night I got saved and God lit a fire on the inside of me. I am more hungry right now than I have ever been in my entire life. And I refuse to let anything quench the fire. Every day I get up and say, Lord, I need you. I can't go on without an encounter. Some of you, if you could survive not praying for a day, I give you credit and honor, bro. I can't survive a day without his presence. I don't know how to be a husband. I don't know how to be a father. I don't know how to be for sure a preacher. I can't yeah. preach. I can't share. I can't live stream if his presence doesn't show up in my life every day. So there has to be a holy dependency 
on the presence of God. Because here's the thing. <laughs> if so you could survive without his presence, you will. If you could survive without his presence, you will. And I can't. I got to a place where I said, Lord, I can't go a day. I can't go a moment. I've spent time in my office banging on the floor, crying out to God up till two, three in the morning. You know, I don't go to bed most nights till two, three in the morning. I'm praying. I'm studying. I'm saying, God, I, I need something from you. I can't go on. Yeah. I have nothing to give people. There's a lot of pastors that are preaching from an empty well, preaching from an empty bank account. I have pastors calling me saying, dude, I don't know why when I get up to preach, I have nothing. I go blank. My mind goes blank. I have to stare at my notes the whole time. And I tell them, listen, you can't withdraw from something that has nothing in it. If there's, if you don't have $10 in your bank account, you can't withdraw $20. And a lot of pastors and leaders are trying to withdraw $10 in their spiritual bank account. So there has to be time. And there's no quick way, bro. There's no easy way. If you're listening, there's no shortcut or easy way. There must be deposits. How do you deposit? In prayer. Encounters with God cost time. That is the currency of heaven is time. So if we want encounters and next level revelation, next level anointing, next level encounter, we have to spend time in the secret place. There's no way you can get it. You, you, can, you can't buy a resource. You can't buy a webinar. You can't go to an online conference. You know, everyone's promoting right now. We have a new way, five steps to get in the anointing. Five, five steps. There's one place that you get the oil according to Jesus, and that's in yeah. the place of prayer. There's no other place to get it. You cannot get it off of my social media page. You cannot get it by spending five hours on live stream. You have to turn everything off, get in the place of prayer and say this. I'm not leaving this room until I walk out, until something different happens to me. I'm not leaving the same husband. The same husband that walked in the prayer closet, I can't leave the same husband. I can't leave the same wife. I can't leave the same father. I can't leave the same, you know, uh, I have to change. When I get in prayer, I'm not getting out until something changes in me. I'm not walking out the same way I walked in. I need to leave with something I've never heard before, something I've never experienced. And guys, we're not talking emotion. We're not talking about chill bumps. We're not talking height. I'm not talking about an angel has to show up and give you a sword and give yeah. you a vision. I'm talking about there's an internal change that sometimes you can't feel on the outside that can only happen in the place of prayer. And when you start trying to substitute your secret place for hearing a sermon or going to church, you're never going to have a real relationship with Jesus. There's no substitute. Yeah. You have to stop with the fillers. You know, everything now that you eat is filled with, you know, hormones and injections and gluten and whatever. And I'm telling you, I believe God's going to take us back to an organic prayer movement, an organic church, an organic revival where we're only going to get this thing, hearing from God. You want to know people say, how'd you know it's going to be internet revival? It's called prayer. It's getting in the place of prayer and crying out, asking wow. God. Your word says in Amos 3, that you don't do anything unless you first tell your prophets. I want to be your prophet, Lord. Here I am, Isaiah chapter 6. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm unworthy. I'm unqualified. I'm uneducated. Acts 4.13. I'm unskilled. But I just want people to see me and say, this guy has been with Jesus. Didn't have the greatest, you know, speaking or the greatest breakdown of, of communication or teaching gift. But I'm telling you guys, when this guy speaks, I feel Jesus. When this wow. guy speaks, I feel the Holy Ghost. That's what I want to be, bro. I don't really care about followers. I don't really care about having good messages. I don't really care about being technical, deep, Greek, Hebrew. All I care about is do people see Jesus when they look at me, when they hear me? I want that. And that's what we have to pursue. Leaders, pastors, one voice, student missions. We have to pursue that above everything else. Because if you do that, the followers will come. If you do that, the ministry will come. I, I started live streaming for the first time ever in January. I had 80 viewers, 100 viewers. 
Last Tuesday, we had 1,000 people, the entire broadcast, with 35,000 unique viewers. How do you do it? I have no clue. All I know is I'm praying and I'm crying out and I'm getting on there and preaching and people are listening and people are sharing, people are hungry. And these are not recycled church people. These are just random people on the internet. A lot of people in our, my chat are not even people I've met traveling. They're just random people. are like, we don't know who you are. We just found you randomly. Dude, I had, listen to this. 10 years ago, my college professor from 10 years ago, check this out, writes me two weeks ago and says, are you the guy that was in my music class 10 years ago? This is my professor. She still teaches at the college. She said, I was randomly, we have zero mutual friends on Facebook. She said, I was randomly scrolling through Facebook and I saw this guy in an office talking. I clicked your video. I went and listened to your whole sermon preaching. And I, at the end of it, I said, I think this was that kid, that atheist. This is what she said to me in the message. I think that was an atheist kid that used to sit front row in my music class. And she said, what happened to you? This is 10 years later. She stumbled into my live stream. And now she's like, can't get enough with the content. And I wrote her back. I said, I shared my whole testimony. I sat there and said, I got saved. I got married. I have four kids now. I was an atheist. I didn't believe in God. I was drinking every day. I was cussing every other word. And right after I left your class, I got radically saved a month later. And she said, no way. And so now, anyways, I say all that to say, God's reaching people like never before. Yeah. And, um, we're all a part of this. Every one of us. If you don't have so a good. following, you're a part of this because you're pushing this thing in prayer. I've been challenging people to give their testimony, share their testimony. And here's the cool thing, bro. And I know I'm rambling, rambling. I'm going to, I'll take a breath here. Some of you are like, good. I need to breathe. I'll take a breath here. Don't worry. It's good. Here's the thing, bro. This is why we have zero excuses to not be sharing our testimony. Now we might say, I'm afraid to share at Walmart. I'm afraid to share with my family. I'm afraid to preach to people. Okay, that's fine. I'll give you a write-off and I'll give you, here's the thing though, because you live in 2020 and every single one of us have a pair of AirPods, have an iPhone, every single one of you listening right now have a phone. Don't try to lie. You, if you didn't have one, you wouldn't be watching this because you can only it's watch Instagram on phone. So that means this, bro. Every single one of you can preach the gospel. Every single one of you can share your testimony. I don't know if people know this, but you could actually, and this is going to be news for some of you, you can actually baptize people in your bathtub. My mom, who's been in church since Jesus was a baby, baptized her <laughs> first person a month ago in a bathtub. And you know what my mom told me? Wow. She said, Isaiah, if it wasn't for this quarantine, I would have never done my first baptism. Who did she baptize? I would like to tell you. One of her fellow officers at the police department got radically saved through a live stream video now she tells me, I'm crying. I can't get enough. I'm crying every time I watch your videos. She never came to church before. Listen to this. Get saved over a live stream. Calls my mom. Says, I know we're not supposed to meet, but I got to get baptized. All the churches are closed. I got to get baptized. My mom wrote her back and said, well, you know, my son is a pastor. When, the, when everything comes back to normal, he'll baptize you at one of their meetings. And then my mom, all of a sudden my mom thought and said, wait a minute. Last week at my son's podcast, he just got insane. You don't have to wait for a church event. You can baptize someone in your bathtub. So my mom texted me and said, son, will you come over and help? My mom raised me in church. Will you come help me baptize my coworker? Bro, I go to my mom's house. By the way, there was less than 10 of us. Okay, I'm, I'm shut down. Don't worry, I'm quarantined. I go to my mom's house. Her coworker who works at the police department came over, didn't stop crying. From the moment we baptized her till the moment she left, she bawled her eyes up the entire time, getting filled with the Holy Ghost, getting delivered in, that, in my mom's bathtub. And my mom said, I would have never done this if it wasn't for quarantine. So there's things adversity will bring things out of the body that we didn't know were there. Adversity will bring things out of the body that were, that we, that were dormant. And so right now there's things that are happening in the body of Christ that would have never happened. Do I hate this virus? Yes. 
I can't wait for it to be over. I'm sad by it. Most of my family's in law enforcement and medical. I'm heartbroken by all of it. Wow. I have family right now in New York in hospital. Wow. I have a cousin in Sacramento working in a COVID ward. So I know the heartbreak. I see the pictures. They're texting every day saying 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds are dying in our hospitals. But at the same time, God wow. will use what the enemy meant for bad. God says, I'm getting ready to turn it around for good. And I'm getting ready to do a new move of God and a, and a fresh awakening wow. right now like never before. And we need to fall out of love with what God did yesterday and fall in love with what God is doing today. If you don't fall out of love of what happened 100 years ago, you'll never see what God is saying now. I love Azuda Street. I love Brownsville. I've read every book. I love Finney. But I believe we've been hindered because we're living in somebody else's revival 100 years ago and not realizing God wants to do something fresh right now. And I want to honor the fathers. I want to honor what happened before. But we have to, what Isaiah said is forget the former and forget the past because I'm getting ready to do a new thing. And let me just go ahead and take my first breath 30 minutes in. Praise the Lord. So good, man. Come on. I'm, bro, I'm so blown, man. It's crazy because I'm my, one of my buddies. I'm pulling up uh, one of my buddies. He loves you. His name is Chris. And uh, oh, awesome, he's heard you preach awesome. at YWAM. He's on our team. And I actually, normally my wife prepares questions, but she's getting ready to go uh, into labor. So she's oh, man. doing squats and no drinking joke, teas. And so I asked Chris, um, I asked Chris uh, if, uh, if he could send me some questions and he said yes. And so uh, one of the questions, the bro, I questions. thought that no, just kidding. fits so perfect. In, I love it. Um, is what I, what I, again, what I have always admired of you is that there is no, there's no, uh, there's no, your preachings are always 10. Mm -hmm. I take it back. Your preachings are always 11. If, if 10 is the knob limit, you push it to 11. And looking at, I'm pretty sure that you haven't had peaches and cream in your oh, ministry, no. that there's been hardships, there's been persecutions. And I feel like with me, you know, I live in Los Angeles and one of the big battles we have in Southern California, that was very different than when I was in El Grove, was you come to a city where everything is based on mm -hmm. performance. Everything is based on what you carry, what you have. And I'm seeing now more than ever, because I, 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 I'm not trying to say that people doing other things is, is bad in any capacity. What I do feel like is to see you go and spend your life, I don't know, at a grocery store would mm. be almost the biggest injustice. Not that that's, that that's bad, that God called you that it's incredible. But how have you remained? This is a common question I've been asking people. How have you remained for 10 years, not just in the same location, but with the same passion? Because mm. I know people that are locationally still there, but their hearts were burned out and gone a long time ago. Yes. So how have you been able to maintain both location and passion for, for a decade? So for me, bro, I always, one thing that God would always tell the people, and we see this from Genesis Revelation is remember. This was the number one word as hundreds of times remember. He would make them he would make them win a battle then build a monument. And you say, why build a monument? Because the Lord says, because I already know you're going to forget what I've done and forget what I've said and forget the victory. And so I want you to build monuments so that you can go back when you're tired, when you're weary. This is why David said, I feed myself. Think about this, y'all. I feed myself on your faithfulness. Here's what David was saying. When I'm starving, when I'm tired, when I want to give up, when I want to quit, I literally feed myself rem by reminding myself of how faithful you are. And that word faithfulness is consistent. How consistent you've been, how you've never left me, how you've never failed me, how when I was the flavor of the month, you were there. And if you're a preacher, you know exactly what I'm saying right now. When nobody wanted to hear me, you were there. Bro, we go through seasons 
where, and I'll just be honest right now. And like I said, I'm only talking about this because we're on one voice. I'm not sharing my live streams, none of this, but I'll just say this, and this is not arrogant, cocky, please hear my heart. I, I, we don't have a lot of time to go into detail on all of this, <laughs> but there's days where you're the flavor of the month where everybody wants to hear you preach. You're getting nonstop bookings, nonstop invites, everybody's. And then there's days where it feels like no bookings are coming in and I'm being transparent. Nobody wants to hear you preach. You feel lonely. You feel tired. You feel weary. But here's the thing. When everybody else wow. is inconsistent, God is the only one that when you get into your office, you get into your bedroom, you get into your car, wherever your prayer closet is, you get there and God goes, I'm the same. I haven't changed. I still want to hear you preach. I still care about wow. you. I still look at every single need. I know you feel tired. I know you feel weak. And all those pastors might change and all those people. Like right now, just because of how our social media is blowing up right now with all the views and all the people and it's blown up within three months. I'm just being honest and I hate saying this and this is just the honest to God truth and some of you are in the chat and you're those people, okay? And I'm just gonna have to talk about you here. People love clout. In the body of Christ, bro, and you're in LA, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Everybody loves attaching themselves to somebody that has a lot of followers. That's human nature, okay? If I write on someone's page that has 300,000 followers and I look up to them and they comment back to me, I get the chill bumps, I get excited, endorphins release. I'm happy because someone famous responded, right? So people love that. Well. Right now, everybody hitting me up and calling me, all the people that wanted nothing to do with me are calling me, hitting me up, different random people. But here's the thing, and I love it. I'm excited. I'm, I want to help everybody. I have five pastors I'm calling today, five I'm calling tomorrow, and I'm telling them, look, I'll help you. I'll get on screen time, FaceTime. I'll spend my entire day helping you because I want to help the body of Christ. I don't care what it takes. I'm a nerd. So I spend hours and hours watching YouTube, how to do this, how to put layovers, how to make alerts, how to put what cameras you. So I want to help people. At the same time, eight months go by, everything's back to normal. A lot of those people are not still going to be there, right? So I have to always remember the wow. only way, the only one that maintains my fire. My fire is not maintained by my wife. And I need you guys to hear me. Wow, so my good. fire is not, um, I don't maintain it by my kids. I don't maintain it by a pastor, whether 30 people show up to my meeting or 400. So a lot of guys, their fire and their passion is based on their circumstance. It's circumstantial, Okay. So all of a sudden they're in a church, they're pastoring, 300 people are coming, they're excited. Well, now, you know, 120 are coming, 150 are coming. You know, some of the branches get cut off. There's ups and downs. The ministry, this is what I want to tell somebody. The ministry will never give to you, okay? You need to hear me. The ministry only takes. The ministry doesn't give. People don't give, they take. So you'll get burned out if you're trying to get your resources and your passion and your fire from other people and not. Wow. Because God is a God that God doesn't just take, God gives. Now, your, fam your wife is going, to be, is going to give to you when the ministry doesn't, and your kids. Those are the only two people that are going to truly give and truly care when no one else does, okay? What happens is, bro, pastors and leaders, they, they spend so much time in the ministry preaching to their followers, getting wow. caught up in, in, in the ministry, right? Well, they don't realize the ministry is only going to take and not give. So then their wife and their kids are getting now bitter and angry because they're spending so much time in the ministry. Now their wife and kids, wow. their wife ends up leaving. The kids despise their father. So the only three sources you have are God, your wife, and your kids. Well, now you've lost your wife and your kids because you've gotten addicted to the ministry. God delivered you from meth, but now you're addicted to something worse, and that's called ministry and religion, okay? So now your wife and kids are gone. They despise you because you spend more time in the ministry than you do with them. You don't train them. You don't teach them. You don't spend time with them. So now the only thing left to give to you is God. Well, now God's already left you because you've spent more, you've spent more time caring about the opinions of people. Now, we know the greatest way, bro, to lose the anointing, and absolutely, it's 100% possible biblically to lose the anointing. The number one way is when you cater to the people more than you cater to the presence. And that is found when Saul lost the anointing. 
Why did Saul lose the anointing? Because he was more worried about what the people are going to think than what God yeah. thinks. What did Samuel tell Saul when he lost the anointing? Saul, the kingdom has been stripped from you. You've lost everything. You've literally lost everything. Your television ministry, your internet ministry, your wife can't stand you, Saul. Your kids have left you. You've gotten, you've lost the anointing. The most important thing, Saul, that you could ever have is the anointing. And here's Saul's response. Think about this. Here's Saul's response. Samuel, is there any way you could walk out with me so that the people don't think that we're on bad terms? Saul, you've lost the anointing and you're worried, you're still worried about what the people think about you and you've lost everything. And wow. so that is the thing that kills people's fire is when they're more worried about what the people think, about what the congregation thinks. So I could say prayer because obviously that's number one. I could say the word of God because obviously you can't survive with the word. But I'll tell you right now, what will keep the fire going? If you're a John the Baptist or you're preaching revival or you're a local pastor, not giving, and I hate to say it this way, not giving a rip about what any naysayers think about you. Not worrying about if you're the flavor of the month. Good. Not worrying about if people like you. Because I promise you, if you preach the word, yes, godly people like you, yes, people. But you got to remember, Jesus already promised us yeah. that the world's going to hate us if we preach the truth. So we have to know, we don't have to try to offend people. Preach the word of God and people will get offended. But at the same time, in that offense, there's life, there's passion, there's breakthrough. And so you got to stop worrying about what people think. David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So here's what David was saying, and I'll end it on this. Here's what David was saying. My, my um, resources or what keeps me going, my fuel, let's just say my oil. I, get, I don't get it from my wife, my kids, nobody. Here's where I get it from, the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does that word I shall not want mean? It means I don't need anything from anybody. I don't need your approval. I don't need your money. Nothing you can do for me will keep my fire going. The Lord is the only one that leads me. I'm not led by my nice car. I'm not led by my nice house. I'm not led by my emotions because my emotions are up and down. God is consistent. I am only led by Jesus. And here's why. Because if I hitch my wagon to my wife, my kids, my friends, my pastors, my leaders, my, my apostle, my bishop, they might go down one day or feel down or feel wow. tired. Well, then that means I'm going there because I'm following them. If I hitch my wagon to Jesus, he's always consistent. He's never had a bad day since the beginning of time. He's never fallen off of his throne. He's never gotten the flu. He's never gotten coronavirus. He is always consistent. So if I stay consistent with him, and I could go on five hours on this, I won't. But if I stay connected to the vine, the vine is always going to produce. When everybody else is not producing and dying off, the vine's always going to produce. So for me, my answer would be this. You've got to stay connected to the vine. You've got to not worry about what people think stay connected and got in that fire will continue to burn. And we've seen, bro, I, I look at all my friends that have gone off the deep end. Okay. I look at all my friends that aren't serving God that started when me and you got saved, they got saved and they had powerful ministries and they had anointings and they preached every single one of them, every single one of them got off, got off on, uh, took an exit, took a sidetrack. They started off preaching the word sharing, but they, they started following a different Jesus, as Paul would say. They started following what 2 Corinthians 11 says, you happily put out with whatever people preach, even if they preach a different Jesus. So they followed that different Jesus. They got off the scriptures. They got off preaching. So for instance, one of my friends who's not serving God anymore, it starts like this. Hey, bro, I don't really know about hell. I mean, what do you think about this? And do you really think God, or, or they'll say this, I don't know, bro. Do you really think demons are real? And do you really think we're called... It's, it's always a question. It's always that the enemy will get you to question what God said all the way from the garden. We can preach that for five hours. You know, are you, are you sure 
that we really got to give everything. They always start with the enemy putting questions in their mind. I know God's voice and I know the enemy's voice. When the enemy comes to me and says, I don't really know about all that repentance. Maybe it's not as radical, which he does all the time. I'm like, devil, I know that's your voice. I know God would never speak to me to be less radical. I know God would never tell me to be less passionate. If I hear a voice saying, you don't have to shout like that and be excited that way. I know that's not God because not one of you in the chat are going to stand on judgment day. And God's going to say, you're just too excited for me. You were just too radical for me. You just gave just too much and you just prayed too much. Every one of us will stand before a God who has fire in his eyes and every single one of us will have eternal regret because we will say, I wish I spent more time in prayer than Netflix, including me. I'll be the first one to say this. I wish I spent more time in my word than I did on Instagram and on Facebook. I wish I spent more time on my Facebook. I wish I preached to more people. I wish I wasn't so quiet at Walmart. I wish I wasn't so quiet with that person in the airport in the flight next to me because I was tired from preaching all week weekend. I wish I would have shared with them. Every one of us, not one of us, bro, not one of us are going to say, on judgment day, are going to say, if I could only go back, I would have watched another, another season of The Office that day. If I could only go back, I would have drank a little bit more. If I could only wow. go back, I would have partied. Every one of us are going to have eternal regret in the sense of, I wish I would have done more. And I'm not preaching a works gospel. Wow. I'm talking about when you get connected to God, there's a passion about you. There's a desire in you to work for the kingdom, for work, to say, God, I know what you've done in my life. I remember when I was an atheist. I, I could remember, bro, the smell of vomit when I would wake up in my own vomit after drinking all night long. I could remember standing in the 14th story of a hotel and a voice telling me, just jump off. A month before I got saved, a voice telling me, just jump off. Nobody even cares. No one's going to worry. It's just 14 stories. You won't feel a thing. Just take, I can remember being 12 years old, accidentally hanging myself and an angel literally pulling me off of a rope, my neck bleeding because I was hanging up in the air in a barn. I can remember getting thrown out of a car. I can remember getting drugged under a tractor trailer at 40 miles an hour, a mile down cement asphalt and getting out of that trailer, an angel going in the trailer and protecting me and getting out with not a scratch on when I should have been in a thousand pieces smeared across the road. I could remember what God has done for me. If you don't have a memory, some of you don't need a new Jesus culture song. You don't need a new Bethel album. You don't need a new Hillsong album. You need a flashback of what God brought That's you so good. You need a memory of the That's hell it. that God brought you out of. And when you remind yourself, as he told Israel, how could you forget? Why is it now that you're building your own house, but you're not worried about building my house? You've forgotten what it was like 400 years in Egypt. You forgot what it was like being under the oppression of Babylon. And so we have to remember that God has broken our chains. God has delivered us. And I refuse to go back to what God brought me out of. Why would you go back? to something you spent years praying yourself out of. What a waste of prayers when you pray yourself out of something and then you go back into it. I mean, think about that. And so anyways, I know that's a 25 minute response to keep. No, that's so, bro. I love, I love lives like this because there's some that I feel like I got to keep pulling. I I love this. And the only other one I've had that's been like, this has been probably Todd White. And Uh, I know for you, I know when I came into this live, I said, look, Brian's doing lives every single day. So he already has to talk enough. Like when I do live streams, I bring guests on. I'm like, look, the more you talk, the less I have to talk. I'm like, I so love you it. Just go for it. So that's why I'm like, I'm, I love I'm going it. a little extra because I know that, you know, I know you're, yeah. you're, you're just letting me go for Thank it. So I appreciate you, man. that. I want, I got one more quick, cause yeah. uh, we got to cut it off before an hour so we no can problem. save this and we'll repost. Yes. But I do got a, I do got a question is um, for you in particular, you're a very gifted person. You're, I I'm pretty that. sure if you weren't preaching and you would have went off and not, you would have not been saved, but you would have been used in a different way with this because you're a leader. 
you know, I feel like I'm in this, I'm in this place where I'm navigating, um, wanting, you know, cause I've been doing one voice for 10 years, man. I've had highs, I've had very extreme lows. Um, but man, have I seen God be faithful and move powerfully and my heart and people that I lead and people that I know is to continue to encourage them in their call when it's at their low and to never make decisions in crisis. I'm pretty mm. sure has there ever been opportunities you've had to do other things that were more glamorous that you've said no to and you've chosen this road of being a preacher. And Bro. to be honest, you don't you don't remind me of this prosperity type preacher that's you know you are a gospel preacher mm. man like that's, that's i've always known you to be that but what have you done as we're closing here what have you done uh to to not stray off to doing things that are good but they're not god yeah because i feel like it's hard for me when someone's like oh i want to go do this and i'm like that's a good idea mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean it's a god idea so how do yeah. you what have you done in your life so I think a lot of people, you know, they think that their career is their calling and your career is not your calling. If you, a reason why we have depression so big in the body of Christ is because we actually believe careers are callings. When our calling is to preach the gospel, make disciples, heal the sick, raise the dead, wherever you're at. And that might be in your career, but you don't get out of bed for your career. You get out of bed for your calling. That's so it. a lot of you are getting out of bed to go to your career and you're excited about it, but that's not the calling. You got to get out of bed with a passion to serve, a passion to do things. So I get saved. I was about to be a police officer. Obviously I left that because the Lord said, you're not going to do law enforcement. You're going to do kingdom enforcement. For me, I've gotten, I'll just be honest. I, it was maybe six or seven years ago. I had a guy write me. I won't say his name because all of you will know him. He said, look, I'm going to do 300 events, Joel Osteen's church, T.D. Jakes' church, all these events. I, I have literally in my notepad all the events that he gave me. He said, I'm going to give you all these events. It was about 150 dates. They already had pinned down, preaching in all the largest churches. Now I knew if I did this, my following would go crazy. I knew I would get all this cloud, all these people following. Everything would grow, right? And so I wrestled. I wrestled. One thing, dude, is I went to my spiritual fathers. I know this might sound generic, but you have to have spiritual fathers that when you see an offer that looks good, when you see something that looks enticing and tasty, like you want to take it, you have to have people around you that can hear, hear God for you. I'll tell you why. When you get offered something, it gets hard to distinguish between your flesh wanting to do something or the Holy Spirit actually wanting you to do something or speak to you. So for me, I felt instantly a no in my spirit, but then my flesh was saying yes. So I was battling with Maybe I should do this. It'll be easier. It'll be this. And these are, this is one example of many different things. I've had people say, I'll pay you $250,000 a year to come work at this mega church. You don't have to do anything. Just be here. You could travel from here. And I'm like, that is so much easier than having to deal with people and pastoring people and living in Manteca. Like, be honest, this is like one of the last places I would choose to live. I'm like, Lord, call me to Orange County. Call me to Huntington Beach. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, but the Lord is like, Isaiah, I've called you. They did not call you. I called you. So even international, the Lord told me 10 years ago, you're not doing international ministry until I tell you to. I've done zero international. I've done zero crusades, not because the offers aren't there, but because the Lord said, I need you to wake up America. And the Lord said, and if I change your assignment or your calling, I'll let you know. Don't worry. Some of you are stressed out like, well, I don't know my calling. But the Lord's like, I'll let you know if your calling changes. It's like if you're on the freeway. Most people don't realize if you're on Highway 5 or the 99 in California, there, if you're going to take a junction or an exit, there's always huge signs when it's time to take a junction. Massive. They're the biggest signs that they make because they want people to know there's a junction coming. You need to make a turn. But this is what people don't realize. And some of you are like, I never realized that. All the way down the freeway, bro, with the 99, the Highway 5, wherever there's you nothing. live, Highway 1, there's little signs. And the people don't know this. On the side of the road, there's little tiny signs 
that will just say 99, little signs, not big signs, or Highway 5. And what those signs do is they let you know you're on the right road. They're not massive. They're not extravagant. They're about this big. And they're just letting you know you're on the right track. A lot of guys, when you're in seasons of transition, I was last year, I was saying, God, what are you doing with me? I know the traveling's there. I know the invites are going to increase. But Lord, what are you saying to me? I need to work. This was the time I was crying out this, bro. This is my own personal story. This is when God spoke to me, the internet in the house, and to renovate and do all this stuff and innovate the ministry. I was crying out to God, saying, God, I don't know. I feel like I'm in a slump. I feel weaker than I've ever felt. One thing is God was breaking me down all of 2019 because the Lord says, you're too strong for me to use you. You're too gifted for me to use you. Literally, I have to break you down because I can't use anyone that's not broken and contrite. That's why Paul said, I prayed three times for the Lord to take this thorn. And all three times the Lord said, mm, no, my strength's better when you're weak. This is the translation for some of you for the sake of time. I'm keeping you weak because I can't use you if you're strong. There's a lot of preachers that don't realize they're one breakdown away from God being able to use them. Let me say that again. They are one breakdown from away from God being able to use them. A lot of preachers right now that we see on Instagram, Facebook, God, the Holy Spirit can't use them. And I'll tell you why. They're too strong. God has to break you down. And when you wow. are in a place where you say, God, I'm nothing. I have no vision. Wow. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no giftings. Maybe you didn't call me. Maybe I'm not chosen. Maybe I'm not the right guy. Maybe I heard that. Maybe you got the wrong guy. The moment you're at that place, your lowest place, God says, now I'm ready to use you. This is where I wanted you because before you relied on your following, so you relied on the honorariums, you relied on your gifting, but now you're in a place I could use you. And so for me, I've had these offers, but for me, spiritual fathers, asking them, I have about five people, I'll call, they'll pray. And it's like, no, for that situation, all five of them said, this is not the will of God. It looks good, but it's like when you're fishing, I'm a big fisherman, the artificial lures, they look good, they rattle, they make noise, they're enticing but they're fake. They're not real. And so a lot of us are chasing after artificial things, but I believe God is saying it's time to get back to the real. You need spiritual fathers in your life, people that will speak into you and you need, you need a consistent prayer life. Oh, good. Um, yeah. You're the voice of God. You know, it's crazy, man. I, I feel like with you and me, what you, we speak the same lingo mm. and it's almost become old school today. Having yes. spiritual fathers, yes. having leadership, uh, the, the big one I always hear is, well, I can hear God for myself. Yes. And to me, um, my question, whenever someone comes to me with something is, hey, have you already come with a pre-decision you've yes. made? Or are you coming with what Proverbs says that wisdom is found in the counsel of many? Mm -hmm. And I, I, I feel like so many people, it's almost like this pride rises up that does not allow them to speak. And I know for me as a married man, I don't know if you knew this, but my wife is seven years older than I am. Oh, I didn't know Which that. Automatically makes her a thousand times wiser than I yes, am. Yes. But I have learned to hear Jesus through my wife. Yes. Like I've never had. Literally, I go to her and I'll say, Man, I, I can't hear the Lord on this. Could you just could you ask him? And you know, and my wife, everything she says stems from what she lives. Mm. And as a husband, if I man, if I could submit to to my wife, why? I feel like why can't this generation grasp what it is to, to trust the authorities God's placed over them? And I understand there's been people that have been wounded. And to me, I feel like the biggest landing strip of the devil in today's culture is a wounded heart. So good. It, a wounded heart is almost the birthing ground of deception. Yes. Um, and I could see that so prevalent. I know for the sake of time, we're going to have to end here. Yeah, I'd love no for problem. you to pray, man. But I, yes. I so, 
appreciate you, man. I know we don't get to connect like we used to when I lived there. We need to do more, bro. We need to do more. I, I, yes, man. I, I just want to say, bro, we love you so much. I appreciate um, you And guys. I'm so glad that we got to meet so many years ago. Yes. And, uh, and bro, would you just pray yes. uh, for the next, we have, we maybe have about, you know, four minutes here. Will you just pray for yes. people that are on here, man, that they would catch what God's given you? Yes, Father, we are asking you right now, Lord, that you would break into every person watching. God, we're not praying. We're not here for some religious prayer where we repeat ourselves and nothing happens. We are asking God, humbly coming before you as sons and daughters, asking for a fresh touch. I'm asking for those that feel tired, those that feel weary, those that feel broken, that you would release a second window for them. God, we are praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I hear the Lord saying this, I'm about to restore somebody to default settings. Some of you have changed the gospel. You've changed the way you used to pray. You've changed the settings on the original design. But God says, I'm getting ready to restore it to default. I'm getting ready to take you back to the original first love. I'm getting ready to restore to you the joy of your salvation. Father, we are asking, Lord, let us, let me, let Brian, let every person in the chat return to their first love. Father, we have strayed away. Lord, we've all strayed from you. We've all gotten distracted. We've all fallen into some type of compromise. But Father, today we are praying, search our heart and find if there is anything on the inside of us that is offensive towards you. God, we want you more than we want followers. We want your presence more than we want popularity. Lord, we refuse to live our lives in green rooms. We want to live our lives in upper rooms. Father, please, we are asking you a fresh touch of your power. I want to pray over every pastor in the chat. God, give them the voice. I pray that the Lord would turn your lips into a trumpet. I pray that you would get up before your congregation when we all go back to normal and you would repent and you would get on your face and say, God, forgive this nation. God, heal our land. We need an authentic move of God. We're tired of the counterfeit. We're tired of the different Jesus. We're tired of a form of godliness. Lord, we don't want the fake. We don't want to be caught up on false doctrine. Lord, let us stay in your word. Let us stay in prayer. I want to pray this last thing. God, give us a holy addiction to your presence. Give us, Lord, the same way we're addicted to Netflix, the same way we're addicted to Instagram. I'm asking you, Lord, give us a holy addiction to prayer, a holy addiction to worship, a holy addiction to your word. God, let us be better fathers. Let us be more patient with our children. God, we're asking for those that are in here that are hungry. Release a revival fire. God, release something new. We're praying by faith. We're not beggars. We're believers. We're boldly coming before you. And we're asking that you would do a new thing and you would raise the standard of what the church looks like and release holiness like never before. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Bro, thank you so much, man. Um, Guys, if you guys were touched by this, you could DM one voice and give us a testimony. We'll shoot it over to Isaiah. Awesome. Uh, But man, thank you so much for joining us, bro. We love you tons. Awesome, bro. I'll be live tonight. If any of you that want to check out the live tonight at six o'clock Pacific Standard on my Facebook, I'm going to be teaching how to cast out demons. So if you're interested in that, I'll be there tonight. So, Hey, bro, is there a website that they could visit for you? Yes, it's IsaiahSaldivar.com. I'll type it in. You can find all my links here. Just scroll to the bottom. Um, and they can also follow your Instagram and they can get all the stuff there yeah, too. Yeah, and they could click right here. All my flyers. Everything's on Instagram. If you follow me, click the top. You can follow me and you'll find everything. Great. Awesome. awesome. Love well, you, bro, bro. I love you.